There was a great joke about how a blue whale would be attracted to the echo we were working out, but we are safe on land because blue whales can't walk on land. So we are getting there. I'll just give this a few more seconds, and I'll jump right in with a dramatic moment, right? Uh, we can't get more dramatic than that. Joey's just going to take down a bit more of the volume here, and just in case this guy's doing something. <laughs> All right. We are having a, a few more seconds. It's good to see everyone here. It's nice to be seen here. I'll move back onto the camera for everybody online. That's also important. And do you think that's good enough, Joey? That's what you got for us? All right. Got the wrong mic on? Yeah. I, I do? I think so. <laughs> All right. Well, good morning and welcome to Stanley Park Community Church. Uh, we are an efficient, streamlined church where you barely even notice things that ever go wrong. And so I don't know if you caught that just a second ago we had a microphone issue. Um, it wasn't obvious. It was just, you know, just got by there. Um, what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, but one thing I also want to highlight is how cool is it to see the pieces in our worship come together about adoption and the hope that we have because God has adopted us. So I'm going to pray, and uh, yeah, let's invite God into this time. Heavenly Father, we, we are your children because you've chosen us. Lord, you called us to be part of your family. Lord, as we continue to prepare for Christmas, continue to prepare for time with family, Lord, help us redefine that in our hearts and our minds of what you have called us and brought us into, that we aren't just a family by flesh and blood, but Lord, that we are part of your family, that you are our Father, the one that gathers us around your table, and you give out lavishly your love, your presence, your purpose, your heart. Lord, as, as every one of us has a story, every one of us has a challenge, every one of us uh, just desperately needs you, Lord, in different ways. Lord, we pray that in today that you speak to us, that you guide us, and that you encourage us to continue taking steps to live out your family here on earth. Father, we love you, and we're excited for what you are doing in our lives, in our community, and in the world. Help us focus on you. Help us put aside all the distractions of this week, all the technical things that just want our attention, Lord. May we glorify you in our time together. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. So we are all searching for hope. Right? Some of us are outright searching for hope, and others are less intentionally searching for hope. But hope is what we are searching for. Hope is what we are looking for in so many different times and places and spaces. I say that because if you ever look at politics, is anybody a big politician type person here? Every single hand is up for everybody online. All right. <laughs> That's not true. Um, as a political spin, maybe? No. So in politics, hope is like the defining piece of politics. You might remember a previous election. It doesn't matter which side you were on. Um, there's a slogan saying, make America great again. Right? That entire line is based on hope. Man, we just want to be better. There's, there's something more than what we're experiencing. Hope is what that drives for. There was even a, a less, um, less overt way of looking at hope in an election. You might remember Obama, where it was literally his face with the word hope on it. Right? When it comes to politics, hope drives us. If, you, if you're not American, which we aren't, you look at ours. Oh, clearly we aren't driven by hope in Canada. When you look at every platform, 
Does a lot of them just go by like facts and figures, or do they drive after hope? One of the biggest ones is like economy, right? We, we hope for a better economy. We hope for more jobs. We hope for more money. We hope for a better life. Look at the environment. We hope that we'll find some way to make it more sustainable, some way that we can care for that, that we can do something better than what we've been doing. Or we hope that the, the, the environment will hold out just a little bit longer so we can get just a little bit more resources out of it for the next generation. There's still hope involved. See, hope is not just a political thing either. Hope is political. It's become a political thing, but hope is beyond that as well. You may be thinking of COVID. We've just experienced two years of hope. <laughs> not, not the hope that I'd be preaching about today, but it's, it's showing up here, but there's hope in this, right? We first hoped that masking was going to solve our problems, right? We thought, surely if we don't breathe on people, I think even before that was like hoping that if we just wash our hands, then we don't, I think we can breathe on people, we just don't touch people. All right, now we're not breathing on people, then, then hope moved from masking to lockdowns. And we hoped that lockdowns were going to just solve this. You know, we'll be, we'll be out of this in a few more months. I remember last Christmas, I was like, do I buy a nicer mask? You know, we probably got like two more months of this, so is it worth it? <laughs> All right. And then we, we've moved in from, from washing hands, masks, to lockdowns, to now vaccination. We hoped that vaccination would be the, the savior of us all. Anybody heard of Omicron? <laughs> Great. Now we got Autobots and Decepticons involved in this thing. It's just, it's just really not going for us. But here's the thing, is, is hope is what drives us. Hope is a driving force. If you look at marketing, if you look at sales, if you look even when somebody's applying for the job, everyone everywhere wants to portray themselves in some way as a hope to your problems, a, a way of solving all the things that you're worried about. Don't worry, I have it because of the iPhone 14. It now does something else faster. Like, whatever it is, it's going to solve your problems. Now, a movie, I know uh, uh, Bruce Rayner, there you are, knows this movie. I, I hope a lot of you do. It's a little older now. Uh, Shawshank Redemption. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Such a good movie. If you guys are not, haven't seen it, haven't heard it, uh, I'd say watch it this afternoon. It's just so good. But the movie is a movie about hope. When it gets down to it, at the very beginning, you see uh, one of the quotes around hope is, oh, hope, it's a dangerous thing. Hope like that will make a man go insane. It's about being stuck in jail where there's no hope, is what they're living in, what they're trying to work through. It's, there's just no hope. Hope gets you into trouble. Hope gets you killed. But by the end of the movie, the, the quote goes, hope is a good thing. Maybe even the best of things. And no good thing ever dies. It's a story of moving from hopelessness to hope. And so as we continue to uh, journey as a community, we want to identify that there is true hope out there, but there's also hope that isn't true hope. And the other one is, sometimes we go looking for, for true hope in all the wrong places. Right? We, we overlook it, we miss it, and we, we expected hope to look differently because we had bought into the story of every politician, every marketing agency, and, and everybody else to tell you what hope looks like. But in the, in the very beginning, the hope story looked very, very differently than they ever expected. Uh, if you guys are online, you won't see this, but everybody in here, the manger isn't on stage. I don't see it. Where could, where could the manger be? It's two rows back for online. It's, it's two rows back. And that's because hope is not found where we all expected it. And I'm going I'm to jump into a story here about hope. But that's one of the intentional things we've done as a community is, is put the manger in a spot where you wouldn't expect it. Because as we look for hope, 
as we look for joy and love and peace, it shows up in different ways than we've been trained to as a culture. So here's a story of hope for you found in Luke 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own towns to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judah, in Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him. And they were expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for that baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there was these shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you that you will find a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with this angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. And the angels left them, and gone into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see what happened. Just a pause there. Like, imagine they said, well, that was weird. All right, we should feed the sheep. Right? Like, they jumped on this one. They said, all right, let's go see what these, these angels have been telling us about. So they, they go into Bethlehem, and they, they see, that the Lord, uh, to see what the Lord has told, told them about. So they hurry off, and they find Mary and Joseph and this baby lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they started spreading the word concerning him, that this child had been born. And all that heard this were amazed that the shepherds said to them. And Mary, she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, many of you have heard this story before. You, you may, may not be your first Christmas. Most of it is not. Uh, online, maybe it's the first time you're hearing it, but a lot of us have heard the story over and over and over and over and over again. And when you, when you engage with the story, you might have pictured the life and the hope that this inspired was going to be different. Or you may have pictured that the good news was going to play out slightly different in your life. Or you may have thought that you were going to be happier. You might have thought that life was going to be easier. Or you may have thought that something else than what you've all just experienced was going to happen. And part of that is because we've bought into different hopes. We, we start picturing hope to be the next iPhone. We start picturing hope to be the political platform. And we expect the things just to continually to be perfect and better. But this kind of hope that entered into creation was very much different than the hope that we, we try to find everything in. This little niche part. This little thing that we can either control or we hope will like, make everything better that we do control. This, this hope was unexpected. This hope was not like we've ever seen before. This hope was personal and it was present. It was God. And as we look at this hope, we can also try to understand it in our, in our human context, and we think that we are now the ones that have the abilities. We, we think that we are now the ones that have the smarts that can be the hope. We, we may have heard the story of hope, of Jesus, and then we say, oh, well, I get this, and now I'm going to live out all this hope in my own power, my own ability. And we start figuring out how best to live out hope, even if it's not biblical. 
We look at how best to live out hope, even if we feel like God is saying the opposite direction. We look at all these other ways that we try to live out hope. And it's tiring. We, we as a culture are coming to a, a very interesting point in our, in our society where a lot of things that we put our hope into are breaking down. Right? We, we thought that good policies were the hope of the world. We thought a better system, right? because injustice, like we, it should be solved by now. We thought a better system would have fixed this. Activism, if we just protest, if we just yell, if we just Facebook post, we think those hopes, those things will change everything. We thought if we're careful with our words, things would be shaped differently. Or if we vote the right way, things would be differently. But we are entering into an age where we are seeing that all the things that we thought we were going to overcome hold on far, far worse and far harder than we ever thought. The, the, the systems that we are, are shaping, tweaking, completely collapsing, whatever it is, we thought that that would be the solution to the problem of the world. We look at the, the perspectives, right? Racism, bigotry, all these things. We, we think that if we just manage words, if we just you know, police it better, if we just inform everybody, it will just change and everything will be better. We see that the chaos and death in the world is holding on in ways that our little hopes can't handle. We thought, and I think many of us still today think, that the world should be better, or it's just, just around this corner, it's going to be better because we're smarter, we're faster, we're more connected, we have all the ways to pull off this stuff. But here's the problem is that those little hopes are part of God's kingdom. We saw that in, in the pastor I'll share again, but in the reflection piece this morning, is that God's government, God's control, God's ruling, yes, includes these things, but we in ourselves do not have the power or the ability or the authority to organize them, to control them, to keep them running. It is God's kingdom. And if we aren't engaging with him, if we aren't living out that hope in all these little areas, we are just living into part hopes. We're opening up these boxes, figuring out that they will solve whatever problem we have. And they might, for that brief moment, and even if it's like for a hundred years, right? Say that we establish a new system that rules out whatever problem for a hundred years. At 101 years, we'll see the problem show up again. Thinking of uh, in Afghanistan, right? We, we in North America thought for sure we would solve all the problems in Afghanistan by throwing military power and money that way. The problems waited. In our lives, we, we will set up these things that we think will just hold back all our problems at bay, and we put our hope in those things. Those things will wear out, we will wear out, and the chaos and death that we so badly want to avoid or ignore or, or overcome will come back. And it's because we're putting our hope in the wrong things. We, we even as a church, can be living out of these micro-hopes. They're not bad things. They're, they're good intent. They're good directions. And, and they can be found even in Scripture. But if they aren't connected to Jesus, if it doesn't have an orientation around the true king of all of creation, that hope will not stand. Because he is the power. He is the authority. He is the one that sustains, controls, guides, oversees all of creation. So when we look at hope, we can be engaging with it in smaller areas, and I think some of us, many of us in our life, have seen true hope break into parts of our lives. And that's encouraging. 
We may have seen some of those uh, enemies, some of those challenges in our own lives. It may be uh, our political views. It may have been our, our views on other people. It may be that we were the, the racist or the bigot. It may be that we were the person that was using. We were the person that was oppressing people. It may be the way that we even had an attitude towards others. And we see that God is breaking in and that he is setting up his camp in our lives. And that those, those moments are true hope being lived out in our world, in our lives. But as a church, as individuals, we don't have full surrender in our lives. I can tell you that it's not a mystery. It isn't. You may have a really good, you may be like 80% surrendered in your life, but that 20% still causes chaos. We aren't done until we're dead. That's really how it's going. God is working and sanctifying and changing our lives. But if we don't surrender to him, to his rule and his majesty, we are engaging with all these other hopes. The hopes that we hope to control. The hopes that we hope to medicate whatever issue we have. And here's one of the other reasons why we may not surrender to hope, true hope, is that we know that God's been calling us in our lives to, to put some, something in our life or to cut something out of our life, and we don't want to lean into that. And it's because we know it's going to be hard, or we know it's going to hurt, right? A lot of the political hopes are all the, the plans that cost you nothing, right? It will cost the next generation or it costs someone else in the world something, but the hope is unrelated to a cost to yourself. And, and Jesus, when he calls us to follow him, he says, come and die, follow me, lay down your life. To, to live into true hope, it costs us something. And one of the lies that we live into, one of these things that we've been willing to believe because it's so much better, right, is that true hope costs me nothing. It was all Jesus on the cross, and now I get to enjoy everything I want. Jesus showed us a way of life. Jesus modeled what hope looks like in creation. And hope cost him his life. It led him down a path of love and mercy. It led him to being excommunicated, being pushed out of a community, out of a culture. He would replace those that were, were alienated. Like the picture, a story with uh, those, the demonic pigs, right? Where this guy comes out, Jesus casts out all these demons, they go into the pigs, the pigs jump in the water, and then the, the people around say, get out of here, Jesus. Right? When, when you follow Jesus, when you, when you live into true hope, it costs us something. And that's one of the challenges that we don't look at hope being the way that we want it. Right? We, don't, we don't want hope to be off in a manger. We want hope to be in a palace. We don't want to engage with a, a king that is off stage. We want to celebrate this, this cloud smoke machine God. We don't want to be unknown. We want to be identified. We want to be seen. We want to be celebrated in ourselves for how great our God is and we just happen to be the closest to him. That's the story of the, the two brothers that were following Jesus. Like, hey, when you get your kingdom, can I sit on the left? Can I sit on the right kind of deal? We miss what hope really looks like in our lives. But on Christmas Day, true hope entered creation. It entered in a manger. It came in a way that they didn't expect, even though it was promised. They didn't expect the hope for creation to come weekly, crying, and needing support from its mother. That's not the picture they saw of God's kingdom coming in. But here's Isaiah 9, which we read earlier, 6-7. For a child is born to us, a son is to be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to his increase. 
of his government or of his peace, on the throne of David over the kingdom to establish it and uphold it in justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord will, of hosts will accomplish that. It's not our zeal. It's not our passion. It's not our abilities. The entire kingdom rests on the Lord's zeal, his intent, his will, his desire. What's encouraging about that is knowing that God has not let us down, not once. That his passion, his vision for creation, he's been working from the very beginning. And that the true hope that we are searching for, the true hope that we need desperately, is not found in just a platform. It's not just found in an ideology. It's found in a being who is above all of us and entered into creation being a child. And the challenge for us is, again, is identifying that we believe that the power of God, the power of hope in creation is going to come through power, politics, and policies. We think we can just legislate our way out of this, and the world will be better. But time and time again, we find Jesus living in places where you wouldn't expect it. Whether it's a street corner, whether it's in your workplace, or whether it's your kitchen table or a kitchen table somebody else, we see that Jesus shows up in the spots you wouldn't expect him, in the ways that you don't expect it. And that is the true hope that we have in this world. Now, we as a church, we, we are making some steps forward in this next year about living out hope. Uh, a year ago, you might, if you have like x-ray vision, then you do, on the other side of this wall, we have this, this sign that says hope. We put up a, a hope sign like one year ago, and it's been amazing to hear how many people have noticed it. So I'm like, are you taking it down? No, we're leaving it for the entire pandemic. All right, so we got about 15 more years of this sign, and we'll, we'll go from there. I hope not. <laughs> yeah, I hope not, too. But, <laughs> but it's amazing that hope is what we are, are driving after as a church. And we can mistake it for power, policies, and political agendas. But true hope comes in Jesus. And so as a, as a church leadership, we have this very wordy vision line that I want to share with you guys, not because it's going to motivate your hearts, because it's not that well smithed, but it's to give you a bit of a picture of the way that we hope to engage with hope this next year. So here it is. We as a church are committed to use our church. Brackets, this is why it's important. Brackets, church being, yes, property. But the church, as we all know, is the people, the, the, the brothers and sisters, and all of our resources. So we as the church, what we possess, what we hold, where we stand, and who we are, we hope to be the church. We hope to live out this church as a place to create opportunities to explore faith in Jesus and to be in community. And this means inside our church, in community, and in the broader community. So we want to be the church inside our gatherings, inside our community and around us, to allow those outside and inside to explore faith. We are all looking to continue to grow in our faith. None of us have it solved. And that's one of the things that we also put in us praxis vision is we don't want to pretend that we have it all. We don't. If you do, uh, you know, my job, you can do it. <laughs> like, you'll be doing better than I will. None of us have solved how to live a perfect and righteous life here and now. Every one of us is leaning into Jesus. So our goal is then we believe that being neighborly, so loving one another, is an opportunity for us to share the hope that we have found and also the hope that we are finding, because we haven't fully discovered the depth and life that Jesus wants to live in our lives. 
We want to do this in a way that we can present it to people and be present to people as they make themselves available to us and we make ourselves available to them. So that, the way that really works out is as we do our rink, being present, spending time with one another, having a campfire, having hot chocolate, flooding the rink, chatting, conversations. That, that's not this big oppressive thing that we have to experience. It's this joy. Because like, hope is connected to joy. That as we engage with understanding, discovering, and exploring out hope in our lives and lives of others, we have a lot of fun. We can engage with creative ideas. We can get into some drudgery. And you know what? That's some good stuff because God is with us. Emmanuel. So we as a church, we don't have it all figured out. We are going to continue to take one step forward over this next year to express, explore, experience hope. Because that is a true hope. It's not this platform. It's not this, this plan. And it's not this policy that I can just say, here is our, our agenda. It is a posture before the Lord saying, God, you are hope. And I want to experience you deeper. And I have hurts, and I have hang-ups, and I have hindrances, and I need you to help me through that. And we as a church have that too. And we need God to be active and present in our community. And so I don't want to just leave this as a, uh, an idea out there of hope of how you can engage with it and a broad idea. I actually, I have a new friend named Scott. Scott, come on up. Um, Scott was introduced to me by a guy that we both didn't know, but then I found out it was through John Pierce. Uh, it was a, a great little email experience. But uh, I had fun. Scott is a great guy. He just moved into KW from Vancouver. Yeah. And Scott is, uh, he has a ministry, and you know, see up on the board, called Journey Canada. And the entire goal of Journey Canada, as I understand it, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is helping people explore hope in Jesus. Wherever you are, whatever hurt, whatever hang-up, whatever thing is in your life that you've noticed God calling you to work through, these guys want to work with you. They want to help you through that. They want to partner is this correct? Yes. All right, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the other Scott. No, yeah, great. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to have Scott just share a bit about what he's experienced, how his ministry works, and give you guys an opportunity to be a part of what's coming up in January, because we don't want to just leave this as this idea of hope in our lives. We want to wrestle that to the ground. We want to see that take form and shape in our lives. So Scott, have the mic, and I'll be back in a second. Yeah. It's on now. Yeah, okay, great. Uh, so I just wanted to start by sharing a bit of my own journey searching for hope. Um, I was a Christian, I've been a Christian my whole life, and I was searching for hope, especially as a young adult. Um, I had been struggling with an addiction to pornography and was having a faith crisis. Um, having been a Christian, you know, I knew all the things I should do, where I should find hope, memorizing scripture, going to church, worshiping God, uh, reading the Bible, and I, I love the Lord, I loved his word, but this issue just would not change. It would just get worse year after year. And I eventually got to a point where I was hopeless. Uh, the absence of hope is despair. And uh, despair was creeping in. And I thought, maybe the Lord isn't enough for me here. Uh, maybe, maybe God can't help me. And I made a decision at age 25 to walk away from Jesus, to leave my faith, because nothing that was supposed to work was working. And in that moment, God met me in a really miraculous way. It's a, time, a story for another time. Um, but it gave me hope. Uh, Jesus showed up in a really powerful way when I was praying. And what this led me to do was it gave me the courage to do something that I had never actually tried before. And that was to be honest with people about how much I was struggling. Um, I, I used those four dirty words, I'm not doing okay. 
which for me was really tough because I grew up in a Mennonite community where you don't, you don't talk about your feelings like that. You avoid them, you don't ignore them. So that was a really big step for me just to be honest. Uh, next thing I did, I saw a counselor, terrified me because I admitted I had a problem, right? Um, coming out of denial. And my counselor referred me to the journey course at the time. And uh, when I went there, you know, I was, I was taking a risk. I was stepping out in faith. I was searching for hope. Maybe God could actually meet me. And that first night, the leaders all shared a short testimony about how Jesus had met them and, and how they were still, in fact, wrestling with their humanity. They hadn't been perfectly healed, but God was with them, and that was the difference. And so I found hope in Journey. I, found, uh, I rediscovered Jesus in a big way when I chose to take down my masks and be honest with him. But I really needed a safe place where people could model that to me. Because unfortunately, in the community I was a part of at the time, there wasn't a lot of modeling of vulnerability, that maybe brokenness was normal, right? That struggle was actually a part of being human. And so I found that in, in the journey course, and so I volunteered the next year, I interned, and I've been on staff with them for seven years. And so my desire is to run these programs uh, to give Christians that uh, experience of hope. And it's not the program that does that, right? It's not me as the leader, it's Jesus. And so we try our best as a ministry to create safe and spiritually supportive places where people can come and share, their, share about their lives. They can begin to express their emotions and feelings and connect with their heart. You know, a lot of Christians, they know God loves them, but they don't know he loves them. That was me. So we're trying to help people connect the dots. Uh, what we often find is in these groups, when we give space and time to look to God, we do this through prayer. Uh, that people will find freedom from past hurts, uh, freedom from old habits, and most importantly, they'll discover that Jesus is actually with them. He never left them. But sometimes we need help to see that. So I would encourage you, if you're, if you're struggling with hope in your faith, uh, to come explore this ministry. It isn't just for people with sex addiction or porn. That was my story. We help men and women with any kind of issue where they feel stuck in their faith. Maybe they're stuck in their relationship with God or others or even with themselves. So we just want to create a safe place where you can explore that. Uh, so this program coming up in January, it will be online over Zoom. Uh, it's going to be Thursday evening, 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, you can see up there at $60 and $40 for students. And Journey 101 is an introduction to, you know, what would it look like to walk on a healing journey with Jesus? What would it look like to be honest with others in a safe environment? about what's really going on. Uh, the evening looks like worship, teaching, and confidential small groups. And you have my email there, so feel free to email me. I can send you an application. And my wife and daughter are here, so please say hi afterwards. We'd love to meet you. Thanks very much. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we know that it's hard to wrestle through hard things in a large group, right? We, we have these walls up in our lives which I think, hinder us from experiencing hope. So having Scott and his ministry available to you is one way that you can continue to take steps forward in, in seeing hope break into the, the parts of your lives that you know are there, that you wish weren't there. Because the more we embrace hope with our entire being, and hope being God, not just this, this notion and change, but actually embracing God in all the parts of our lives, our hurts, our hang-ups, the, the things that are just in the way, 
the more we get to know God, we get to love God, the more we get to just smile and enjoy his presence in all this chaos. And so, yeah, if, if you don't want to look like you're talking to him right now, his email's there. If you don't want to write it down, email me. I will get you in touch. But we as a church are one that embraces hope. Because hope is not only a good thing. True hope is God. And the way that we live out that faith is profound, it is deep, it is messy, and it's not what we expect. It's going to be something awesome as we continue to walk forward through the pandemic and do whatever is on the other side. We know that God is before us and he is with us and he deeply cares for each one of us. And so I'm going to pray a blessing of hope over every one of you and we will carry on into this week. Heavenly Father, you are the hope of the world. Your righteousness is greater than we can even fathom. Your ways are not our ways. And our hearts long to know you. Lord, I pray for anybody that has a fear of being known by you or truly being seen, Lord, that you hold them close, that you speak your love to them, and that you encourage them to take a step closer to you, whether it is through Journey Canada, whether it's a conversation with a friend or reaching out to myself or any other leader from the church. Lord, I pray that you are moving us closer and closer to experiencing hope this Christmas. And Lord, may we not look for hope as the world sells us. May we not look for hope as we have continually gone to, Lord, whether it is in addictions, whether it is in desires, whether it is in shopping. Lord, may we turn to you and find you in all the unique places that you are. Lord, come be with us this week. Bless us with your hope. Be present with us. And may we step towards Christmas experiencing your presence in a way that we haven't before. We pray this in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. All right, guys, this is our service together. It's great having you here, and we'll see you again next week. Bye.